Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to part two of The Guilty Feminist. So plug in and get ready for the fun. Hello, Canterbury. Are you ready for the second half of The Guilty Feminist? Then please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. That's right. I'm showing you the back half of the cape, says Guilty Feminist. It's made by Despicable Daisy. Um, I wear it because I feel like, you know, you need to get your money's worth. Um, I mean, you've not, when you listen to the podcast at home, you think, what does it look like? And now you know. It looks like sequins and a cape with a, with a hood that says guilty feminist. Did you have a good interval? Um, tell me, did anybody chat to Richard in the interval? Did anyone chat to Richard? Yes, you did. You shook his hand and gravely said, well done. Is that because you're another man trying to give him some solidarity? Did you, did you sit there thinking in the first half, I'm glad that's not me. Glad that's Richard and not me. And now it is you, sir, because you've, you, you, you were standing up, not sitting down. Why is that important? 
I don't know either. No, 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 no. no do you, you were at the back, you were getting a drink or something, and you recognised him and you thought, he's famous now. You were going to the loo. Oh, you are in the urinal when this happened. <laughs> this, this has taken a turn. You performed a small act of feminism in the urinal. <laughs> I'm not sure you understand what feminism is. Okay, well, what was the small act of feminism? Fair enough. He said, you haven't heard what it was yet. What's your name? You, you, you hesitate to impart your name now. I, can't, I can see why. Um, it's a... Boris. Is that a nom de plume? Is that... You're totally... It's a lie. You're totally unreliable. Well, the other Boris we know isn't as reliable as all that. Unless it's reliable at having parties when the rest of us are in lockdown. Anyway, sir, tell us, uh, what was the act of feminism that you did into the urinal? <laughs> Subsequent to using the urinal, I used it, I left it, were you observed? The urinal was virtually empty. Okay, go on. Leaving the gents, you saw a long, long queue outside the ladies. Yeah, you suggested. You went along the line suggesting to the women in the queue they might want to use the gents as there was no, no one in there. And yes, well, all, on all our shows, both loos are meant to be open. It's meant to be sort of gender neutral and women... I mean, there's so many women, that they're meant to be able to go into the men's. But maybe that hadn't been made clear here, in which case you were doing the public service of saying, you know, there's no queue in there at all. Um, however, hold on. You'd already gone in. Yes. So you didn't need... What you're now, your face is telling me is mansplaining. Then you can go to. You tried your best. You did your. You did your best. You did your best. Well, well done for trying, but they didn't want it. Um, you tried though. Listen, sometimes you just can't win, can you? It's tough being a white man in the. It's tough. It's tough. But you have sat bang smack the middle of the centre of the front row and raised your hand and spoken out. You are now making direct eye contact with me, which you refused to break, so I feel it's very much your own fault. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen, thanks for your efforts. The sisterhood, the sisterhood thanks you, some, some of us. Some, some of us are on the fence. Or still in the queue for the loo. Um, all right. Anyone got anything else you need to tell us about before we, before we uh, bring on our first act? Anyone desperate to say anything? No? If, it, if there is, it's a man, I know already. <laughs> I've started doing a thing with a human Google sometimes where I say to someone, would you, like, if we need anything looked up, would you pre be prepared to be Google? Um, but I find only men will do it because the women will do it, will volunteer to do it, but then they'll never interrupt and say that they've found the answer. So you have to go back to them and go, did you ever find the answer? Oh, yes, but I didn't like to interrupt. 
Um, it has to be a straight cis man. It has to be, I've discovered, because they love being right and they don't mind interrupting. No matter what is going on, they will just shout it out. No, it's true, it's true. I specifically asked for a man who enjoys being right and I have never waited longer than a second for a volunteer. <laughs> never. All right. Um, if we need a human Google, we don't need one right now uh, because the first act of this half is very special. Uh, we have different acts on the tour around the country. If you want to come again um, next time we're in your area, I think we're playing Margate, um, then yes. When we play Mar Margate, you can come again because there's different comedians, there's different lineups. You know, it depends on, you know, you can look on the website. Look, we've, we need a human Google to find out when because I don't know. Um, a man, could a man who doesn't mind interrupting, but just actually don't interrupt with this, I'll come to you, mind Googling when we're in Margate. You'll find it on guiltyfeminist.com under live shows. So um, there's, we often have different acts, but this is the first time that we have had this act on tonight. Um, now, you met her in the I'm a Feminist Buts. She's only 15. She's just an incredible uh, composer and musician, and it became apparent to us that this was the case because her dad's our tour manager, but we kept listening to the music and going, how is she 15? And because we want to platform young women, and if young women are rarely... Women in general are rarely, rarely composers. Um, it's, and yet, when you... You know, I'm going to an opera um, where it's the first time they've put on an opera at Glindbourne, which was written by a woman. And you know, it's incredible music. But you just see how the forces have kept women out of areas like this for so long. And so we want to encourage a young woman who is uh, a brilliant composer. So she has got an original composition for you tonight. Um, would you like to see it? Um, then please put your hands together and make incredibly generous, welcoming noises, patriarchy smashing noises. Break laws if necessary for Clem Arnold!
Absolutely incredible. I can't believe you're 15 and you wrote that and played that so beautifully. And even though I'd heard some of it, I wasn't expecting it to be so magnificent. I said to Clem in the wings, if you make a mistake, I love you more. Um, but there was really no sign of her sort of indulging that and going, mm, I could do a little deliberate mistake, create a bit of blitz spirit in the audience. No, she wasn't interested in that at all. Um, Clem, can you tell me, like, how did you find out you could write like that? Like, what happened? Did you just wake up in the night with a talent? That's a very good question. Um, I was very inspired by Chopin and Rachmaninoff. Me too. <laughs> a lot of people say that as well. Um, and I guess just having played their music over the years got me to sprout ideas. Yeah, that's not normal because loads of people play Chopin and Rachmaninoff and they don't then go and write anything like that. They just get to year seven piano, grade seven piano, and then give up. Um, but you seem to be able to write, and that is just a talent, I think, that just maybe you're born with. But I love that you're developing it. Would you like to, are you going, I mean, you seem like you're already a composer, but is that something you want to do professionally? Definitely. Um, you're, you're making... I've heard a bit of a, a Bond theme you've been writing. Um, are you interested in writing for Bond? That's my aim. That's my target. That's your aim. Can you... Is it... Is it and please don't... Um, would, you, would you... Sorry, I just said off mic, don't feel pressure to do this, but um, you will probably heard it. Um, don't feel pressure to do this on mic, but would you like to play a bit of the Bond theme? It doesn't have an end, so it's called an imperfect cadence for anyone here. Um, I fear that there's going to be nothing imperfect about it. <laughs> I was asking people earlier not to intimidate others with their feminism, and now you've come and intimidated us with your talent, but we will allow it because you're so young, we're aghast. And also, you're very charming, and we love you anyway. Um, and also, you're going to get me invited to Bond premieres when you're older. Yes. Okay. <laughs> She said yes, you saw that. She cannot take that back. Okay, play us a bit, play us a bit.
any way we can get your music. That's too big and tendued, by the way. Yes. No, we got that because it did not finish on the tonic. These are, see, I did music at school too. And, and uh, listen, I can do you a, a lovely round of Heart and Soul if anyone's interested later in the local pub. Um, Clem, is there any way we can download your music yet? Not yet, no. Well, when there is, could you please let us know and come back on The Guilty Feminist and uh, we will, everyone will download it and hopefully you'll come back and do more. Will you come back and do more for us? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. if my dad's still working with you, obviously. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter what happens with that. We'd love to have you back because we're feminists and we don't employ women on the basis of their relationship to men. Um, that's one thing you need to know how it works. And by the time you're writing Bond themes, I hope Bond's a woman too. Claire Arnold, everybody! And now, having to follow that, but thankfully being up to the task, you've seen her all over the television. She's one of your Guilty Feminist's very favourites. Pull your hands together and make patriarchy smashing noises with incredible Felicity Ward! Thank you. Thank you. I was going to make a hilarious joke at how I could simply play Ode to Joy, and it, it turns out I can't. Um... <laughs> Is it, what, what does it start with? Is it C? Yeah, no, I know that D, it starts with D. No, it doesn't, you fucking idiot. It's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. I can, I play a little piano. Um, it was nice of you to have a crack at it, Clem. Um, Imagine being that talented. <laughs> there, was, there was some bits I was like, oh, that's really good. And then she'd play a note. I'm like, am I crying? What is happening? Get it together. That hurt. Um, for the listeners at home, I just slapped myself in the face. Why? Because I'm committed to the motherfucking joke. Um, how are you? Good? Yeah. Why have I still got chewing gum in my mouth? I don't know either. I've just realised, just feel like I'm in Greece. Tell me about it, stud. Bam, ba, ba, bam, ba, ba, bam, ba, 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 bam. Um, did anyone ever, was it, uh, has anyone, I don't know why I'm asking this. Has anyone ever swallowed chewing gum before? Yes? I'm going to be fine, right? I can't do it. You know how when you're younger, they're like, do not swallow chewing gum because you'll dot, dot, dot. It was die in some way. And I have never swallowed chewing gum since. Um... What I do rather than coming out with a set these days is just, like, feel my way on stage. And this is very much the product of that. Um, I've just got a list here of people in the audience that have been cancelled. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm going to do what my mum used to do and she'd take a bit of paper. I'm just explaining this for the people at home. And then think that she was doing, like, being really subtle and putting the chewing gum in the paper and then folding it up. But it still looks like this. She's a lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a lady. 
Why were you being Tom Jones walking like a chicken? I don't know. She's a lady. Anyway. Um, right, what am I going to tell you about? I was talking about uh, religion. What a gear change. I was talking about... <laughs> no segues, not my problem. I was talking about... Uh, I used to be a, a Catholic um, by choice. By choice. My sister was going to a Catholic high school and so she had to become a Catholic just so she could get in. And so she was like a real little bitch about it. And she was like, oh, what's your confirmation name? My sister was like, Ignatius. And they're like, that's a man's name. She's like, I don't give a shit. Get me into the school. And I was like, I was reading the pamphlets. I'm like, well, I'm interested in this situation. I would also like to become a Catholic. And my mum said, you're not going to that school. You don't have to become a Catholic. And I said, oh, I know. I would like to become a Catholic. So at nine years old, this little freak got confirmed. (laughs) And then we didn't have a Catholic church in the local area. So I just attended the local Christian church. And um, I don't even know why I'm telling you about this. I put it on my hand to make jokes and then realised I don't have any. Uh, So just a little bit of story about my life, guys. Um, Also, absolutely no idea how long I've done. Um, Yeah, it says 31 minutes. I don't even know what that means. I don't know when that was on from. Anyway, so I I was a Catholic and then I was a Christian and then it was like it didn't represent what I believed in and it wasn't. And so I'm, I'm one of the worst people out there. I am what is known as spiritual, not religious. The absolute worst. I am the equivalent of when you look at your partner, if they're male, and they've got a T-shirt on and no pants. And you're like, you need to put some pants on or take your T-shirt off. But I can't look at this the way that it... This is an untenable situation. It feels like they design T-shirts just so the helmet is sticking out. Like just a, hello, just, a, just enough. Not long enough to be modest and not short enough to be a flasher, but enough to go, remember me? That's a joke about my dad. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, yeah, he's... He never had enough clothes on. We lived near the beach, so he was always in Speedos, but he'd never, like, just wear the towel and he'd always just have a T-shirt and his Speedos. I'm like, oh, I'm very small. This is in my eye line. (laughs) Also, we had a spiral staircase in the middle of our house. And if I had a girlfriend over, like at a sleepover, and he'd come down the stairs and go, oh, we've got company. What a gentleman by putting only a towel on. So he just walked, dom, 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 dom. Like, no! I didn't think I'd be talking about my dad's dong tonight. <laughs> Don't say that. I, <laughs> um, I, yeah, this has got nothing to do with that either. 
There's a lot of young women selling skin products on social media. And um, again, nothing to do with what we're talking about. There's going to be a lot of that where you're just like, oh, okay, we're going this way now. And look, may I employ you, if you implore you, if you see a young woman selling skincare products on Instagram or on TikTok, do not buy it if they have good skin. They have good skin because they're 16 years old. It's not moisturiser, it is hormones. What you want to do is you want to find a woman who looks 30 but is 90. You want to go, oh, that poor millennial, she'll never get on the property ladder. What? She was born during the war? What are you selling? I want it. You are the skin influencer. You are the skin influencer I want to buy from. There is a phrase uh, around people and how they look, which is, God, they look good for their age, don't they? God, he, he looks great for his age. You very rarely say it to the person's face <laughs> because they're usually very old. Because what you mean if you say to a very old person, God, you look great for your age. What you mean is you look great for someone who should be dead. (laughs) For someone that should be under the ground, you look absolutely incredible. And you know how, like, anyone over the age of 80 looks great for their age? Because you've only met, like, six of them before. (laughs) You know when you see, like, the world's oldest married woman and she's 112, you're like, would not put her a day over 96. (laughs) Not a day over 96. I lost my glasses recently and um, (laughs) I'm short-sighted. And what does that mean? I'm terrible with money. So I, I lost another pair of glasses and I'm like, right, I am finally going to buy some prescription sunglasses. Because if you are short-sighted, you'll have your regular sunglasses and you'll look cool and then you'll have to read something, you'll take them off and you have to put your own glasses on. It's very uncool. And I was like, I'm going to buy prescription sunglasses so I can look fucking cool all the fucking time. I don't know why I said it like that. I can look fucking cool all the fucking time. I'm actually going to, I've got a little composition about that that I'd like to. (laughs) So anyway, I was like, right, I'm going to go and get some prescription sunglasses. So I go down to the home of fashion, Vision Express, and well, they had a a buy one, get the second pair 50% off. I'm terrible with money, but I'm not a fucking idiot. Know what I mean? So I go down there and I buy my prescription glasses and uh, get a, a, a set of frames for my sunglasses. And I said, I would like these both prescription, please. And she said, oh, looked me in the eye. And she was very young and she was very cool. So I trusted her opinion. I'm like, she'll get me. She'll get my vibe. She'll know what I'm going for. And what she said to me was, you've got two pairs of sunglasses and regular prescription glasses. Have you thought about getting transition lenses? Now, for anyone that doesn't know what transition lenses are, when you're inside, they are clear like regular glasses and then you step outside and then there's a solar eclipse (laughs) and your glasses go very, very dark. And she said to me, 
would you like to buy transition lenses? And I said, what? Would I like to move into a nursing home? (laughs) And she said, no, 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 they're really practical. I'm like, oh, good. Because we all know that practical means cool. They're exactly the same thing. Have you ever heard of an umbrella hat? It's a hat band and it has an umbrella on the top. And I was recently at a music festival and there was a man wearing one of those and it was raining and he had the driest ears in all the land. It was so practical, but I am never going to buy one of those because I would like to have sex ever again. And so he said, no, thank you. I don't want those. I want these two pair of glasses frames, one sunglasses, one clear, both prescription. And she said, honestly, they'll look really cool. A young person lied to my fucking face. And I trusted her because she was young and edgy and cool. And I put them on and I went, you know what? I'm going to buy these transition lenses. So I bought the transition lenses. I caught myself in the mirror. I'm like, you do look pretty cool. I leave the shop and after just a cursory Google, I found out they're worn exclusively by pensioners and sexual predators. (laughs) And they are sensitive. I open the fridge door, it's night (laughs) time. Just just a whiff of light and they start to shade over. I always look creepy. Always look suspicious. I go into a shop and I buy bread. I'm like, just this thing. She's like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do with that, you sicko? Get out of my shop. We have big windows in our lounge room. So sometimes my husband will come in and see his wife sitting on the couch. And then the sun will appear from behind a cloud and he looks back and there's a 1970s pervert sitting there. (laughs) And even worse, after all this, I only bought one pair of sunglasses, so I didn't get my discount, so I paid 350 pounds to look like Rose West. I'm probably going to leave it there, Deb. I don't know how long I've done. None of it's made sense. Deborah Francis-White. Felicity Ward, everybody. Oh. Gang, I'm very excited to tell you that at the end of this year, we're coming up to seven years old. That's right, we are having an enormous, great big monumental, guilty feminist party and show at the Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah, like we're live at the Apollo is, but it's all guilty feminist comedians, acts and exciting guests. I can't even tell you about yet. Um, Now, it's going to be on the 1st of October on a Saturday night. Come one, come all. Uh, So get your WhatsApp groups together. Get tickets now before they all go. Uh, because it's going to be a one-night festival of feminism fun and refuel for the resistance. If you like Michael McIntyre's Roadshow, if you like Graham Norton, if you like 
Jules Holland's later, imagine those three men were women. And then imagine those women were allowed on the television. And then imagine they were allowed to invite other women to join them. And you would have an idea of how incredible this show is going to be. We are going to have some pop sensations. We are going to have some comics you know and love from The Guilty Feminist and the telly and some guests we've never, ever had on before. So please book now. We will be releasing more information soon. If you'd like to get a ticket now, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. It's our birthday. You absolutely don't have to bring a present, but I'm not stopping you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I did actually forgot to men- I forget to mention something. Yeah. Um, one, I'm not lit. And can we remedy that? Because I don't want to sit in the dark. Thank you. I am a star. Thank you. And um, what was that, Deb? Did you just ask me, do I have a stand-up special on Amazon Prime? Yeah, I do. It's not the time, though. Okay. We're just... Um, okay. Let's focus, so, us, focus on um, the guests. Oh. Um. <laughs> it's called Busting a Nut. It's called... It's under the Soho Theatre Live. It's on the third series. There's some of it you may have heard on, uh, on this very podcast before. Um, so where can we see them? That's, that's what I said before, just Amazon Prime. That's Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. And, and no, oh. we do not like giving money to Jeff Bezos, but we love giving money to me. So if you're going to give any money to Jeff Bezos this year, and we know that you are, probably. I'm a feminist, but we love the convenience. <laughs> I know, but we really got to stop using Prime. Like, the actual Prime bit where you get, you know, you think, oh, I wouldn't mind, like, a mini skirt with an embroidery of a squirrel on it. And then you just think about it, and then suddenly it turns up at your door. Okay, that's destroying the environment, and that's playing into capitalist worst hands. And so you got to stop it. And I'll help you stop it if you help me stop it. Like, let's have a WhatsApp group from the Canterbury audience tonight... And any time you want to do that, you just we're the sponsors for each other, okay? We're going to do yeah. that. But we, if we need to give... have a weekly confession where you're like, I could have walked down to the shops to get 3M hooks, but I didn't. I got them 12 hours later in a lot of unnecessary packaging. 
by a very surly delivery man. Exactamundo. So we've got to stop that, but do get Felicity Ward's special. And are you touring here anytime soon? No. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tour next year. I'm doing three shows next year Ooh. and one show is on uh, pregnancy and one show is on my birth and then the next show is on uh, newborn stage and it's called The Motherfucking Trilogy. Wow. Okay. So watch out for that next year. But in between now and then, if you'd like to support Felicity Ward and her newborn two-year-old, um, then please check out the special. Now, Felicity Ward, we've got two incredible guests. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. The Uh-oh. first one, the first one is: When you were at school, did you learn anything about race? About race? Mm. Oh, well, Deb, as you know, I'm from Australia, and we have somewhat of a complex history with race, in that there was a race that existed and looked after the land very well, mm. Mm. and then some. Uh, sorry, English people came over. And um, what we get taught in school, I don't, I don't know if it's the same now. I think there's a little bit more. Basically, we got taught that they're called settlers. Captain Cook was a settler. Yes. Just a settler. Just, just settling, settling down. Just settling down. Oh, Not, I'll settle here. Yeah. Cozy. Yeah. Very, oh, this is cozy. I'm just going to settle here. After and a little light genocide. A little, like, oh, look at this beautiful land. We raved and pillaged. But look at what the buildings mm. and the, look at this civilization. So that is kind of, and then we got taught some dream time stories mm. um, uh, from Aboriginal culture. We did not uh, have any Aboriginal speakers come to our school. We didn't, and, and now there's a lot more awareness about it. In, even in my local area where I grew up, um, they, they have a sign uh, that says the local um, uh, country that we're on, which is mm-hmm. Darkenjong. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's people that do walks around the area and stuff like that. But no. Is your okay, in the short answer, no, no not enough not about much. race. Okay. I don't really have short answers. What? They're not really available to me. Felicity, what do you know about animals and sex? Um, I don't mean necessarily... That sounds like I've asked about dogging or something, and that's not what I meant. There's only one... and I've actually said it on this podcast. Have you? There's one animal... That if I was desperate. What? Hear me out. Should we? There was... <laughs> what, if you were on a desert island and there were no humans available? I don't know if you followed a count called Roger the Kangaroo. I have not. It sounds like I shouldn't. He was ripped. Rest in peace. He's passed away since. I think that's good for all of us to yeah. know that he's, he's out of your reach. <laughs> Out of your potential clutches. This is just a joke about bestiality. It's just some bestiality between friends, guys. Okay. It's not. If you have brought teenagers here tonight, I apologise for the questions you are have to, going to have to answer <laughs> on the way home. Please address all of your emails to Felicity Ward. I will be handing out her email address on slips of paper as you leave. <laughs> no, we send a link. It's not environmentally friendly to hand out the paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You know um, what's good for the environment? Fucking kangaroo. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. They're no, pests. It's not. You're right. They're pests. No, you don't want to make more of them. Okay. I don't think you're going to give birth to a kangaroo and have a little pouch. You don't know me. I don't know you, apparently. I thought I did. I invited you on the show thinking I knew you quite well. You thought Turns I was a out. mammal. I'm a marsupial, motherfucker. Wow. 
if I had to guess which of my friends were a marsupial, if somebody said, like, this is true, one of your friends is part marsupial, which one is it? Felicity would be in my top three. Easily. When I used to take drugs many, many years ago, um, I remember going to a party and taking some ecstasy and there's this photo of me with these massive eyes and I'd just be hugging people and they call me the possum. (laughs) Felicity's been sober for some years now, children. 15, 15. 15 years. 15 years, children, stay in school. Um, (laughs) Those kangaroo fucking years are well behind me. Okay, yep. Yep, yep. So we should probably bring our guests on. Yes, it, please. I really hope that they're going to feel safe. Now, you all right, Richard? You coping? No, you coping? What about you, sir, whose name is not Boris, but doesn't want to divulge his name? Are you all right? You doing okay? You enjoying yourself? Great. Um, <laughs> That didn't mean to be sassy, but it was, and I loved he it. He can't help being sassy. He's just... <laughs> I meant you. You having a good time? Yep. Good. Oh, great. I thought you meant him. Lovely to hear you it. You cannot, you genuinely can't, he can't say anything without sass. It's just, <laughs> he was going down the ladies' loo queue telling ladies, you know, there's no one in the men's, as a public service. Yeah. It sounds pervy. <laughs> you know, there's no one in the la- men's toilets. <laughs> I could be if you needed me to. (laughs) Sir, I'm so sorry, but you've just been shamed by by a woman well-known as the kangaroo fucker. (laughs) It's not good. Someone's got to be known as... (laughs) No one has to be known as that. Nobody has to be known as that. That's that's inaccurate, Felicity. That is, sorry. I'm just (laughs) workshopping ideas here. Okay. Lockdown was hard. (laughs) Okay. Are we ready to hear our guests? Okay. Um, our first guest today is a teacher, author, and anti-racism activist and mother of two small humans from Margate, Kent. Please welcome Naomi Evans. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Naomi. Come take a seat. Thank you. She is joined by a New York Times best-selling author, award-winning filmmaker, and popular radio and television broadcaster, broadcaster... Not like a roller coaster, but she's got that vibe about her when you meet her. With a master's in zoology, calm down, flick, from Oxford University, where she was personally taught by Richard Dawkins, and I'm dying to ask if she had any run ins. Please welcome to the stage Lucy Cook! Come join. Yeah, or wherever you'd like. Wherever you like. Wherever you'd like. Okay. Poor so. Naomi has to sit near me. Yeah, I'm going to scooch over. Oh, I'm going to scooch. baby. Felicity, if you were a possum, do you know that means you'd have three vaginas? I already do. <laughs> oh, we find out the real reason they called you the possum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Deborah. <laughs> it's a family show, you know. Try and keep it a bit respectable. Expected more from you, actually, Deb. If it ever was a family show, and I think there's been some episodes that have been, this would not be one. I have never been on it. Any episode that I am on is automatically like, okay, we need to refund some tickets. (laughs) Listen, it's a family show if your family is like Felicity's. Now... (laughs) Kangaroos. (laughs) So, (laughs) Naomi, you've co-written a book... Uh, with your sister Natalie called The Mixed Race Experience. Yeah. You are also 
uh, best known for everyday racism, which is an incredible account that everyone should be following right now. Um, we're so excited to hear about that and your book tonight. Lucy, you've written an incredible book called Bitch, Revolutionary Guide to Sex Evolution and the Female Animal, um, and which is absolutely riveting. I've read some of it, and it's, it's absolutely incredible. Do you know it's up there with Jennifer Grey's Out of the Corner? <laughs> it's like if celebrities in the 80s were animals, and you would absolutely get that book. That's what it is. They uh, also... Any of them, kangaroos. Um, pandas do a lot of cocaine. That's what I've learned from it mostly. Um, no, I haven't had that. Are there any kangaroos in your book? I've not read all yeah, of there, it. There are kangaroos. <gasps> actually, Exciting. Yeah. Should we start? Are with they that? single? Just... <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're married with oh, a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For Fair. God's sake. Fair. I love how that's the thing holding me back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's the obstacle in the way. <laughs> Sorry, native animal of Australia. I'm. Spoken for. <laughs> if you, if I was ten years younger, I will be getting so many emails. I already know it. I already know it from zookeepers going. I love your podcast. I listen every week, and I love your value set. But I was very disappointed this week. It is no laughing matter. We have three break-ins a week with people trying to seduce the animals, and you are making light of it. And Felicity Ward needs to seek therapy, and so on and so on. It's a a joke. Okay, it's a joke. If you're listening at home and you're in the care of animals, it's a joke. It's a joke. I I love animals. (laughs) Could you tell us why you wrote this book, Lucy? What led you to write this book? Well, um, as you said, I was was taught by Richard Dawkins, and I was taught that um, female animals were basically losers. (gasps) Is that what Dawkins said? Essentially, I was told that that, that we were meant to be submissive, coy. Um, We were, you know, basically less evolved than males. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Um, Yeah, sorry. Sorry. And, and, you know, basically male animals had all the fun. They had swashbuckling lives of, Mm. you know, thrusting agency and they had sex for... They they had an imperative need to spread their seed far and wide and they were dominant and blah, 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 blah. And I sort of found this wildly dispiriting as a 19-year-old girl thinking, oh, it's like, you know, so we really... Females really pulled the short straw in, you know, in the evolutionary stakes. And, And actually that dates all the way back to Darwin who you know, was a genius, but he was a Victorian man. And the thing is, is that, you know, he, he basically branded the female of the species in the shape of a Victorian housewife because that was what was mm. appropriate at the time. And, and so and because... that's what he saw. He projected female traits as he is to understood them to be onto animals. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, I mean, you know, so, so... And then because Darwin said that, then all the scientists that, you know, followed in his wake suffer from a chronic case of confirmation bias. And every time they saw, you know, the licentious nature of the female lion that, you know, will have sex hundreds of times with multiple males in a matter of days, they're all like, oh, I didn't notice that, you know. And, um, or they had uh, some aberration or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like some aberration, it's some anomaly, you know. And, 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 and that was what was basically thought for, you know, I, that's what I was taught at university. And, and it's only in the last you know, a couple of decades that we're starting to understand that female animals are just as badass as the males. We're mm. just as promiscuous, competitive, aggressive, dominant, and, um, 
and 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 just as deserving of of, of study. But you know, it, it, and 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 this is a it's a very sort of live debate right now. It's 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 something. There's there's a sort of paradigm shift going on right now. I mean, believe it or not. I mean, it's amazing to think that science is culture is actually sort of ahead of science in this way, you know, but it's, mm. it's an influx of female scientists and, and, and scientists of all genders and sexualities that are kind of reshaping our understanding of the animal kingdom. Incredible. Can you tell us about moles? Yeah, so <laughs> the, moles are a great place to start. So, I mean, everybody's familiar with moles, right? But you might, you might be familiar with their, their handiwork, if not the beast itself, because, you know, they... They, you know, they, they weren't interested in me. I, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till you hear about it. Ah, you know. You're not so, on the right apps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so moles, <clears throat> moles uh, live underground, and you know it's really tough living underground. You got to, you know, you, you got to dig for a living. There's like not much air to breathe. So evolution has equipped mole with some amazing adaptations, and they've got like an extra thumb so they can shove more earth, and they've got specialized blood cells so that they can they can get rid of toxic gases, uh, they can process toxic gases more quickly. But the most amazing thing about the female mole is her balls. Because the female mole's ovaries are described as ovotestes. So they are half ovarian tissue and half testicular tissue. And in the breeding season, the ovarian tissue pumps out eggs and she mates and, and gets pregnant and has babies. And then when the short breeding season is over... Um, the ovarian tissue shrinks, her testicular tissue swells, she pumps out testosterone, makes her dig like crazy and defend her worm larder and her pups, and she's really aggressive. And um, it also makes her vagina seal up. Oh, and, um, I've had that. I've had that. Yeah. <laughs> is is a, a moles on antidepressants as well? Or? <laughs> is it because they don't get enough light underground? Because I worked in an office like that once, no windows, <laughs> and I found my vagina sealed up very quickly. <laughs> Just they need more light. Yeah. Uh, so houses for moles. Start that charity, somebody. <laughs> And, um, and, and she's also, the rest of her, her genitals look, look like, they basically, she's got a clit- massive clitoris that looks like a penis. So, Again, so, massive. Massive, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, so that's really, you know, that's, it, basically it's really fascinating that if you look at the animal kingdom, the, 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 the bodies, the brains and the behaviours of females really sort of defy mm. these sort of outdated binary constructions that we have about what is a female. Yes, and the fluidity and the spectrum of gender in the animal kingdom really fascinated me. Like, I was reading about clownfish that are like Nemo, like Finding Nemo. Yeah. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so so everybody knows clownfish because they're really famous because of the Disney film Finding Nemo. And um, in the wild, they live in anemones and they live in family groups. So there's a female, a male, and then there's a couple of adolescent males. And um, the female is dominant, and, but if you take the female out, if she gets eaten, then the male transitions into a female and then one of the young adolescent males will then develop into a full-blown male. So that means that in Finding Nemo would be a quite a different film. <laughs> um, because Sounds um, like a Monty Python sketch. Yeah, he, he, you know, little Nemo would, would lose his mum and, and rather than going on a great adventure with his dad, his dad would actually transition into his mum and start having sex with him. But, you know... <laughs> I think Disney should make that film. That's a different film. The age-old tile. That's a more truthful version. And if somebody bothered to make it, you know, it could have 
excellent ramifications because we are so stuck in the binaries. We are, yeah. we are gender washing Disney films and animals. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, clownfish should write in and complain, in my opinion. But what's oh. fascinating about that is the guy who studies them, Justin Rhodes, he's, he's this amazing guy. He's in Ohio and he's got like a lab, like a thousand anemone fish. And he's, he loves them. He's like, look at this one. I love this one. She's so aggressive. Look at her. And he's like sticking his hairy arm in there like, ah. Anyway, he's just like amazing guy. And he's like, look at them. She's looking at you now. I'm like, is she? I don't know. Like, anyway, he... Uh, he <laughs> <laughs> Little diary entry there. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, so, so he, he, he studied what happens because this, this transition process is really fascinating, right? Because, because it involves a, a male animal transitioning into a female animal and... Um, that enables him to study what happens when the feminization of a brain. And so he's like really focused on really the minute details, the hormones and what's changing in the brain and what's changing in the, in the, in the gonads. And what, the change happens first in the brain. So the, the, the fish is recognized as a female almost immediately and starts behaving as a female. But it takes the gonads up to a year to catch up. So that's... Okay, mm. so it's so many questions. <laughs> okay, so if we, we are talking about female and male attributes, yeah. if they're just a construct where we go, well, this is what female is and this is what male is, mm. how do you move forward when you realise, because you were saying before the show that there was a bunch of uh, women in America, scientists I'm assuming, yeah. um, not just like a couple of women at a cafe going, I just don't know about the gender of these sea anemones. Um, that they, they started questioning this binary. Mm. How do you then move forward with language when you are now talking about testosterone being male and yeah. gonads being male, yeah. but being both genders? Like, that's such oh, a... Oh, yeah. No, it, you know, it's very common. So in the book, because animals don't have gender because it's, it's, a, it's exclusive to humans. It's a, it's, it's a social and, and psychological and cultural construct it's not something that animals are not sort of creating they they, they, they so in the book when I talk about um, male and female I'm talking about sex basically rather than gender but what's interesting about the anemone fish is there you have something where that's a bit like gender it's like sexual identity and it's separate to sex you know the sex is always in biology it gets defined by the gonads and so the gonads say they're producing sperm still so then that's a male right so, but if the the fish is behaving like a female, then that's that's like a that's a it, it suggests that sexual identity and sexuality and sex behaviour don't necessarily fall in line with sex, even in a fish. You know that they can that be is a non-linear so relationship. Complicated, really yeah. complicated, and really fascinating. Mm. I actually want to do a follow-up episode on Zoom with you so we can go deeper because I think there's just so much to talk about this that I'm just, I'm, I'm so compelled by. And the book's incredible, guys. If you haven't got it, it's called Bitch. That's easy to remember. Um, <laughs> Think of me. By Lucy Cook. Um, I want to come to you, Naomi, because yeah. I knew you because I started following the count Everyday Racism. You did. And then I met you when I came to Margate. Yeah. Um, what made you start Everyday Racism? And was it everyday racism that made you start everyday racism, it, perchance? It was everyday racism that made us start that account, yeah. Um, it was actually something that happened to my sister um, on a train. She was coming back from London and she saw um, an incident play out, a racist incident that she um, 
ended up filming and, and getting involved in. And after she finished um, the train journey, she telephoned me and she said that basically she was the only person on the train that actually said anything about mm. what was going on. And we grew up in Margate. So these are my ends. <laughs> um, and we grew up in an area that looked like this audience. So <laughs> we were very much... Very only, multicultural, is really that what diverse. you want to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so often, you know, the only black people, mixed-race people, um, you know, in our school, in our friendship group. And often we would find the same thing, that when something happened, nobody kind of wanted to say anything, got very awkward, mm. very uncomfortable, and we ended up being the ones to kind of have to either do something about it or not. And either way, it was very difficult. It's always incumbent on you to make a decision. They're not going to do anything. It's just whether you're going to agree with them. Yeah. Or Or you're going to make the whole thing. Be a troublemaker. And so um, we were like, well, actually, this has been happening a lot in our lives. So maybe we should start something where we can have this conversation Mm -hmm. and maybe help people to understand what that feels like. So that's how the account started. And what's the response been? Yeah, incredible. Like, <laughs> a lot more than we thought. Um, the account has got over 200,000 followers in the last two years. And, um, yeah, people have been really receptive. We run a book club. Um, we have, like, a Patreon, which is, like, an online learning series. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. So the response has been really good. It's almost as if it's one of the good things that have come out of Twitter. Yeah. It's like Twitter yeah. is so bad for so many things and then every now and again, like a little everyday racism <laughs> account comes up and spawns this, you know. Yeah, yeah. We have had a positive experience mm. in that respect. And what made you write the book? So we've written a book called The Mixed Race Experience. This is our proof copy, which came, like, last week. So it's very exciting. Did you cry when you saw it? Did you get a bit teary? No, we did this whole thing where Natalie, like, came to the door with the envelope. Natalie is your sister. That's my sister. She's in the audience. Shout out, Natalie. Natalie was. We did and, say, did Natalie want to come up? And, she, and you said she did not. So yeah, I just want to sorry, shout out Nats. to Natalie. Didn't get choice. Yeah, um, we love you, Natalie. She that's came, actually that's not what Deb said. She's like, I, I let's just get one of the sisters up. Yeah, I don't need to hear. We don't need two black people on this. Yeah. <laughs> that is one not is what happens. We that don't want them to feel happens. comfortable. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> she didn't say that. <laughs> oh, my um, God. How is it that she comes out to just get the things with kangaroos and I'm going to get cancelled? I don't understand how this has happened. You, she's that, always got something in her Felicity pouch. That's what Felicity said to me. She was like, can we get Deborah cancelled? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't say that, you no, cheeky little bitch. <laughs> Honestly, guys, I could use the break. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite tired. We've yeah. got to swap numbers. So, You're a little shit stirrer <laughs> and I like it. So she came to the... We had this whole thing set up where she was coming to the door with a bag of books. I was filming it. We were going to do this big reveal. And she got the book out. And I was like, oh, it's the book. It's so exciting. And then she did that. And she was like, oh, the, the book's the wrong way. And I was like, it's the book the wrong way round. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what they do with the oh, proof... No. They do this stupid thing where they put the quotes on the back, on the oh, front. I see. 
So it's so we just scrapped that. So it wasn't actually very exciting. It was a bit of an anticlimax. Uh, no, Did no. you have a panic attack and go, oh my God, I have done all of them the wrong way. I did. Yeah. And I sent a very curt email. Oh, I love that for you. To be fair, I get proofs all the time and I've never seen one where they put the cover on back yeah. first. You know I what that sounds like? It sounds like racism, actually. Yes! Yeah. It, that's, that's not normal. I'm going to do a post. Yeah. It's not normal. But no. can you tell us about a bit about what's in the book and why we should buy it? Yes. Um, so the book is about um, what it's like to grow up with a multiracial identity. So mixed race people are the fastest growing demographic in the world. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of us. And um, yeah, there's like over 1.2 million people in the last census. So that, that's really outdated now. So it's definitely a, a really fast growing demographic. And um, we look at kind of the issues that um, come up when you grow up as a mixed-race person, but also what it's like to raise mixed-race children, mm. what it's like to be in an interracial relationship. One in three children um, are identify as multiracial now. So it's like there really hasn't been a lot of research and mm. commentary about what it's like to be a multiracial person. Mm. So. I was fascinated reading the notes about, like, ex- to- explaining racism within your own family. Yeah. Like, can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So that was, like, the, one of the chapters. We wanted to call it um, Everyone's Got a Racist Uncle. Mm. Um, and the publishers said no. And I was like... <laughs> That's racist. I really feel like everyone could relate to that. Yes. Yeah. And if it's not your racist uncle, it's your racist granddad. Or yeah. Me, yeah. So, um, yeah, we... we do have an uncle who has got some very questionable views um, and it kind of came to a bit of a head like a couple of years ago when he posted some stuff on Facebook. Um, And so we write about what it's like, you know, if you're in a monoracial family and you can kind of say, well, we're not going to talk to people about this, we're not going to talk to our family members about this. But what do you do if you're in a multiracial family and you don't have that choice? So if you've got a white parent you can't just say I'm not going to talk to you about this because mm. it's your lived experience so it's a lot to navigate so we kind of thought it would be good to put some stuff out for people to kind of help them support them mm. yeah yeah it's a I mean it's my um my husband is like third generation Greek or second generation um English and uh it's he it's, he's talked about like the the not knowing how to speak Greek and yet his parents know how to speak Greek and growing up mostly with Jewish people and, yeah. like, how he identifies. He's like, I know that this is, and I hope that he doesn't mind speaking on his behalf. Honey, I love you. Um, but he's, we've spoken about this a lot of, like, I, f- I feel like I'm from London. I feel like I'm from, I'm British. Yeah. But I don't feel English. Yeah. But I don't feel Greek. But I look Greek but I am English. Yeah, I think that's how we found, we interviewed over 30 people and we found a lot of people had that same kind of, where they spent a lot of years wondering where they fit and mm. how do I, like, who do I identify more with and people asking them to pick a side, like, well, do you feel more black or do you feel more white or do mm. you feel more, um, you know, East Asian or do you, and it's like, that's a very difficult question to answer. But we also found that there were a lot of people that, just like all of us looking for a place to belong, like a community of people, like you have to find your people. And that's kind of how we end the book. It's like, 
You can identify however you like. The most important thing is finding your group of people. Mm. Would you both come on uh, a Zoom follow-up so that we can put more content out? Because I just know the listeners at home are going to be like, tell us more. Yes. But the good people of Canterbury have to go home at some point. Yeah. So, um, so Surprise, you... we've locked the doors. Yeah. <laughs> so would you, would you both be up for coming on a little uh, follow-up podcast? Because I just want yeah. everyone to buy these books so much. Mm. Uh, just to say once again, if you're in the audience tonight, what you're ordering tomorrow, <laughs> ideally not from Bezos. Waterstones, probably. Yeah. Is the yeah, mixed or hive, race... Hive, Hive. It's in... Hive. Hive is independent yeah. bookstores. Yes. And yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Hive. The Mixed yeah. Race Experience by Naomi and Natalie Evans and Bitch, A Revolutionary Guide to Sex Evolution of the Female Animal by Lucy Cook. And then um, if you like, it's late night, you're like, oh no, I've still got this Amazon subscription. <laughs> I'm not going to use Prime, but I sure. do have access to Prime Video UK. Yeah. Probably just like search my name yeah, just, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not important. It's not important. It doesn't matter. Um, before we bring our final act, can you quickly tell us in, very quickly about bonobos? Well, so, yeah, so, you know, we, we're sort of taught that patriarchy is, is the norm, right? That's, 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 that's what we're destined to, to live under and that's what's normal in the, in the animal kingdom. But it isn't. And the bonobos are our closest ape cousins alongside chimpanzees. Chimpanzees do have a, a patriarchal system that's, you know, a little bit depressing. If, but, but actually, females do have more agency than, than you think. But bonobos are equally our closest cousins. And they have overthrown the patriarchy through ecstatic same-sex frottage, to put it any other way. But Get females, that on a T-shirt. Yeah. They, they have, ecstatic they, the females... same-sex frottage is a great name for a cabaret night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, the, the females, have, uh, uh, they, they, they club together and they form allegiances and they, they have sex with one another. And I heard the only taboo with bonobos is mothers and sons. Is that true? I, I'm not sure even that's a taboo, actually, with bonobos. You think they, when, the, when, when the anthropologists aren't looking, or the, where the zoologists aren't looking, they're like, fuck it, they've gone now. Uh, All right, yeah. everyone's keys well, there's in the a, bowl. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of mothers that, that have sex with their sons in the animal kingdom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's uh, menopausal orcas are the worst, actually. Like, I've heard that. There are some menopausal orcas in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> they don't call us cougars for nothing. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm so excited to read more about that. I can't wait to read about the kangaroos. Uh, mm. And I know that Flick's going to need some alone time with that book later this evening. <laughs> um, We've got to bring on our final uh, guest tonight. Uh, in fact, we've our final guests. But stay where you are, because this is the sort of Graham Norton sofa chat bit. Uh, before we bring them on, a huge round of applause uh, for Naomi Evans, Lucy Cook, Felicity Ward. And please welcome back our final act, it's Jess Robinson. Well, to finish tonight, I'm going to bring on some more celebrity guests out of my mouth. <gasps> oh, God. Uh, not in that sort of a way. Um, just coming out, not going. Goodbye. Um, so, uh, thank you, thank you. They've started. No, no, that was good. Don't, just go do it, please. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Just going to see how many... Um, people, celebrities I can channel in the next five minutes, so uh, good luck, strap in, here we go. Every day is so wonderful, then 
suddenly It's hard to breathe Oh, now and then I get insecure From all the pain Oh, I'm so ashamed I am beautiful No matter what they say
Thank you so much. Would you like one more? Then please welcome back to the stage the fabulous Clemmy. So, um, <clears throat> I don't often sing in my own voice, but I'm going to. And um, we've done this a few times. Um, when I say a few times, we practiced it twice before today's show. But it's going to be fine. Um, and um, shall we? We don't need to introduce it. We'll just do it, shall we? We'll just do it. We're just doing it. We're doing it now. I'm good at links. Yep. Do you want to do your one about the kangaroo now? 
Sorry? Do you want to do, you do your one about the kangaroo? Yes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Skippy! <laughs> I love you, I love you, I love you <laughs> Like never before Yeah! Yeah. Skippy, <laughs> Skippy, <laughs> Skippy, <laughs> Skippy the bush kangaroo with your Sorry, tiny paws and your ripped six pack. <laughs> you're mostly made of muscle and you're delicious. Medium rare, 180 degrees. Never overcook it because it's like game meat. It goes very tough if you cook it too long. I am so sorry if you're vegan. That's sorry. really upsetting. I mean, what would be this a lot, aren't you? What would be better for your vegan if I was fucking or eating an animal? Vegans? Choose. Vegans? Choose. <laughs> Vegans, what's better? Fucking. <laughs> I don't feel like that's... Th- I hope none of your students have come to see you because you're a teacher this- at a nearby school, aren't you? <laughs> oh. Can you, can you, can you, can you re-mic Naomi, please? You're, you're a teacher at a nearby school, aren't you? I am. And what do you teach? Biology. <laughs> no. What do you teach? Drama. Drama. Yeah. Well, I'm just acting. They're getting a lot of drama tonight for their money. They are. Have you got any students in? I think there is. Well, all I can do is continually apologise on a loop. How old are they? Can you write a letter to my head teacher? Yes. Is your head teacher in? No. Oh, thank God. Okay. All right. Jess, do you have any more for us? I've I've only got our final our final anthem, which I hope you will all join in with, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, indeed. If you haven't left the building in absolute horror already, no. Could I could I make things okay? Could I undo the kangaroo? I don't know if you can. Um, When you were doing your Kate Bush, one of the only things I can do is Kate Bush interpretive dance. So I will be doing Kate Bush interpretive dance. Don't worry, I'm wearing bike pants. you're like, oh, it's a rigid skirt, it's denim. Don't worry. I did jazz ballet in 1993. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to interpretive dance w- once we get to the chorus, not at the beginning. I don't want to... Oh, no, I'd like you to come here mm. for the beginning. And but I'm so this... shy. You... <laughs> <laughs> come Jess, here, Jess, right here now. Jess, can I just me? ask a quick question? <laughs> yeah. Do you know the song Unbreak My Heart? Unbreak My Heart. Yeah, but I was wondering if you could do it with the lyrics Unfuck My Roo. <laughs> As Kate, as Kate Bush. I feel like uh, listen, this, is, this skirt's got to come off. I leave those decisions to you. Okay. Oh my God. Cheers. I like, you can't dance in denim. Oh, these, may I say, I have not worn the correct underpants. You know, when you're like, they're kind of cute and they're like, they do not fit the undercarriage. They're, they're not, they're not doing their job. They're there. I but only for so bad, because when I came out, first of all, Canterbury, I said, Canterbury, can I have a mini act of feminism? And someone said, oh, I've just co-founded a, oh, I've just started a, oh, I've got LGBTQ rights. And I was like, you're more feminist than guilty. And they were like, yeah, we are. And I was like, you need to know you're very high achievers. You're already at A-star level. Even Cambridge came in at a good P plus on a, you know, on a night out. 
And, uh, and they said, no, no, we really want a feminist show, a deeply feminist show. They said, we laid out, I asked them. And it's ended up with Felicity Ward confessing a very strange kink. She's got a wedgie and she likes a kangaroo. And then doing a full trip. It's, I hope we've balanced it out by, look, we've brought academics here with proper books. We've got a 15-year-old composer. We've, we really hope we've brought the feminism as well as the guilt. Clem is never allowed to come on tour with us ever oh, again. Clem, I'm so sorry. Are you okay with this? Clem, yeah. just to let you know, I mean, I am here. now know more than we do. No, I am an example of what not... This is what, like, your nightmare. If you don't stay in school <laughs> and get a real job, this is what you could become, OK? The, what's the saddest thing about this whole outfit is that I'm wearing grey marl and it's not dissimilar to my skin colour, you know? I mean, <laughs> indeed, indeed. I'm just okay. subtly... <laughs> Yes. Okay. Oh, she's ready. Stuart Arnold in the wings is saying, sing the last song. For okay, God's so sake. what we're going to do is this. We're going to start the last song until the chorus. We're starting the last song as Kate Bush, so you can, you can do, you can live this moment. No. No, don't. Yeah, no. she does it anyway. Okay, shall we? Okay. I was petrified Kept thinking I could never live Without you by my side But then I spent so many nights Just thinking, oh, you did me wrong And I grew strong, strong And I learned how to get along And now you're back From that place I just walked in if I could hear
expect me to be free But now I'm saving all my love And for someone who's loving me Listening to the Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guests, Felicity Ward, Catherine Bohart, Naomi Evans, and Lucy Cook, with music from Jess Robinson. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The recording engineer was Grundy Lazimbra. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Zielinski. Thanks to Rachel Croft and Gina Dicio, Stuart Arnold, and everyone at the Marlowe Theatre. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. It didn't just start with ladies and gentlemen and make people who didn't feel like they were in either of those camps uh, or, or that, who felt that that was two camps. Cut that out, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Stop saying camps, Deborah. <laughs> just, she explained it. You, everyone knows why. Just, you don't need to keep talking. Um, so you changed the language from ladies and gentlemen and you explained how and you explained why and you gave them different examples. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com